0: Hey loves, I'm Marley Liss, and welcome to the Sensual Revolution. This is a global movement to reclaim sensual empowerment on an embodied and systemic level. My personal path of sensuality has not been easy. Shame around my body image, sexual abuse, and my queerness had me dissociated and numbed the heck out. It's been a big journey to get to where I am today, but I really have turned my pain to purpose. Along the way, I've learned our personal healing makes epic waves in this world. This podcast is here to remind you that your healing is selfless. When you learn to shed shame, love your body, and claim your worth, you pave the way for all people to do the same. Here, you can expect to hear from sexual educators and healers who work at the embodied level of sensual empowerment, as well as policymakers and justice leaders Work at the systemic level. It's all connected. So, whether you're at the very beginning of your own sensual healing journey or you're a sex positive advocate and superstar, this community welcomes you. Let's come together and revolutionize this planet one loving, sensual step at a time. Hello, loves. Welcome back to another episode of the Sensual Revolution. As per always, we have a really epic guest here with us today. Their name is Max Scaff. He is a New York City, Puerto Rico-based transmasculine writer, director, cinematographer, and editor whose visual talents have been featured in New York Magazine, HuffPost, NPR, New York Times, among others. His films have been screened globally and won awards at festivals such as SIFF and NewsFest. And their latest documentary, Sexual Healing, is now at an exhibit at the Museum of Sex, which is how I met this amazing human. You can check out the documentary at the show, Reclaiming and Making Art, Desire, and Violence, which you heard all about in a previous episode featuring Emily Scheuer, who's the curator of this show. His full-service production company, 422 Lux, specializes in work that ranges From narrative short films to documentaries to branded content and music videos and really focuses on offering diverse lgbtq plus and responsible sex industry perspectives through their work we love to see it i can't wait for you to hear today's episode we get into max's journey claiming identity and sexual empowerment as a trans masculine person we talk about destigmatizing and decriminalizing sex work through filmmaking and the sex workers project Max shares about navigating gender dysphoria and healing relationship to our bodies, the need for trans bodies to be featured in ethical porn and empowering representation, and we also talk about second adolescence and the queer experience, grieving and making up for our authentic younger years. It's such an empowering conversation, a fun and important conversation, and it's also a really healing conversation, I would say, for all of our little inner child that we carry within us. So, so excited for you to hear it reminder that your shares and written reviews always really help us to amplify these messages and these amazing voices definitely check out the documentary and the sex workers projects you'll see all the links for that goodness in the show notes hello everyone i'm so excited to be here with max who's an absolutely epic human doing very epic work in this world max how are you today
1: I'm excellent. I'm excellent. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you.
0: My pleasure. I'm so happy that we met. And yeah, I always kind of start with this question that you can answer in any way that feels good for you. Um, who are you in this chapter of your life?
1: Wow. I would say in this chapter of my life, like, you know, I'm in my thirties now and I feel just very like settled into myself. Um, you know, I spent as a trans person, I, I spent so much of my life, most of my life, like having this complete identity crisis. <laughs> and mm-hmm. um, and then I, I transitioned when I was 26 years old. So it's been about five years now. And I just feel like myself is not a mystery anymore. I don't battle with things like that. It's like I know what I like. I know what I want. I know who I am. Um, I know what routine I like. I know what like, you know, type of self care you know that I like to do. I know more my direction and what aesthetics I want my art to take. And um, yeah, I would say that I'm a lot more uh, serene these days. You know what I'm saying?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm at now.
0: Mm, that's so beautiful it's a good place yeah I hear like so much empowerment from authenticity
1: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. exactly
0: I'm so happy you feel that I like for me as a cisgender person I don't know that experience and I can relate as someone who came out as lesbian like just over a year ago where there's just like oh holy shit like this Mm -hmm. level of authenticity that feels really um really beautiful and freeing yeah for sure I'm so happy to hear that so you're doing like epic work in the world can you share about what you do and Mm -hmm. in whatever way feels inspired today like what led you to that work
1: word um yeah so I do you know mostly my work is uh I'm a filmmaker and director and um you know I do all kinds of work but uh you know, my production company, we really do focus on, you know, LGBT, you know, based projects, like we did a documentary, you know, with Stonewall's 50th anniversary. And we do a lot of, um, you know, stuff with, with trans people, trans rights. And, um, you know, also from there, uh, you know, what you saw how we met was the documentary series for the sex worker project. So I do a lot of, you know, work with the uh in the sex work industry from pornography as well as you know, destigmatization, and uh, in terms of the documentary work that we're doing, um, the docu series, and we're actually in uh pre production for the second episode mm-hmm. from the first episode that was at um the Museum of Sex exhibition about sexual healing and the healing powers of sex work and like interviews of like how, you know, sex workers have actually saved people's lives, you know, and going that deep into that subject. And um, so I'm really excited about that documentary series right now, because I think that there's so many different um, facets in the sex Mm -hmm. work industry that people literally have zero fucking clue about because mm-hmm. we just live in this puritan like society where it's like some people are even scared to say the s word sex <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what i mean it's like this is where we're at right now yeah. and so it's like we are trying to like destigmatization and and normalize you know sex and um you know from there poet from the documentary series which is um you know I guess you could say it's, it's education as well. Mm-hmm. You know I mean? Yeah. We trying to make this for just the general population to comprehend, you know, some of the stuff we shoot is like, you know, this is, you know, normal stuff to, to people who are, um, you know, either in the industry or have a good sexual relationship with themselves and have explored those parts. Um, but yeah, so this is, this is, you know, we want to take this work to, you know, a general audience to really, you know, ease in gently. You know, get you get you the seeds planted. You mm-hmm. know, start to get the wheels wheels turning, and you know, from there, I do, um, I write and direct and uh, shoot and edit to um, pornography, and I got uh, started with that with um Erica Lust and Ex Confessions mm-hmm. so I've done um four Ex Confessions films and um and then I've done a self-produced one as well like this can't be horror film shot in like a haunted house in Brooklyn and uh that one's on Pink Label TV which is uh You know, Jizzly does that and uh, they are wonderful as well. That's a really good platform for, um, you know, showcasing queer sex and pornography. And um, yeah, I kind of got into like porn for the same reasons. I mean, similar reasons, um, because I started like, you know, right when I transitioned and I was really exploring my sexuality as, you know, a trans male instead of, you know, a uh, identifying as, you know, uh, a cis lesbian. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it was this whole new world for me. And I had actually wrote like a script without, you know, and then I was like watching this Netflix documentary and I saw Erica on there, Mm -hmm. you know just popping up, popping away. And I was like, what the fuck? I was like, (laughs) who is this? I was like, I never seen nothing like that on, on, you know, more of a mainstream platform talking Mm. about these types of things. And uh, so then I was just like, fuck it. Like, and then I sent the script and they were like, cool, here's money. (laughs) Like, I was like, never got handed like money like that. And I was like, oh, shit. Okay, word. Let's do this. Let's do the damn thing, you know. And um, so I've been doing that ever since because I feel like um, shooting pornography, um, especially queer pornography, trans pornography is you know, also has been freeing me and empowering me to own my sexuality and to also just show trans bodies Mm -hmm. um, that they're not this thing in a non-fetishizing way, because it's like, you know, the majority of the content you see on there on the tube sites and the free sites, it's it's fetish. Mm -hmm. Um, So, you know, we got some some real you know love love stories going on you know and Mm -hmm. and showing that you know trans bodies are not like weird or gross or whatever you know they're they're beautiful bodies
0: Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. thank you so much for all of that oh it's so important yeah that was a mouthful (laughs) (laughs) No, no no it's so important um And it's just like, like you said, it is education. And I think Mm -hmm. it's like essential, essential at this point, like in our world where there's so much censorship and silencing and sex education is like either non-existent or so outdated. I'm like, Mm -hmm. like you said, rooted (laughs) in like Puritan stuff, abstinence model. Like it's so, it's so ridiculous. So having like resources like this and representation like this is just so freaking important. So, like, applause! Thank you for the work <laughs> that yeah, you do. Totally. Um, why do you think there is like this is kind of a big question, but why do you think there is so much stigma around sex work and like what are the harmful impacts of that stigma?
1: Mm. I can, uh, I think. Wow. I think the stigma comes from just generations and generations of, you know, again, this like Puritan uh, society, whereas like a lot of, you know, I would say a lot of our our country was like founded on, you know, traditional, religious, um, more conservative values. And Mm. I think it's definitely something that's been passed on from generation to generation. um, And that, you know, sex is only for procreation. Uh, It's not for pleasure. And, you know, there's this this guilt or shame involved of like, you know, if you're not according to those guidelines, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, that this pleasure is somehow to be ashamed of or, um, yeah, stuff like that. And I think that's very harmful. You know, mm-hmm. the second part of the question is it does harm um, sex workers in the industry because it puts them in actual danger, um, mm-hmm. both from the stigmatization uh, as well as that the fact is that it's criminalized as well. Mm-hmm. So um, this leads to more violence I would say Um, because you know a lot of teenage boys and stuff like they they learn how to have sex through these tube sites and you know they're gonna see you know somebody ramming somebody very aggressively maybe you know it's it's not real sex Mm -hmm. that's the thing it's not real sex and um, you know because I think this is criminalized you know sex workers they have to kind of like go under the books especially today with you know how many financial platforms are being canceled for them you know you're not being able to use the vimo the paypal i mean i can't put my content up on vimeo i mean everything is just uh, uh, uh. you know they're trying to x out everything and um yeah, I definitely and that's a part of the documentary series that we we trying to really do is to and that's what sex workers project at Urban Justice Center does is mm-hmm. working, you know, constantly on the decriminalization uh, of sex work so that, you know, this extreme violence um, doesn't happen because it's it can be dangerous for a lot of sex workers, especially if they're doing Um, street work in Mm -hmm. order you know survival survival sex work is you know what they call it so
0: yeah uh so 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 important and I feel like that really outlines like how how much of a shared mission this is for all of us even if we don't realize like Mm -hmm. if people are shaming and like shitting on sex work It's like they may not even realize that that's coming from their own internalized shame Mm -hmm. around pleasure, right? It's like we're all, we should all be in that kind of shift together of saying like, hey, all of us deserve to live free from shame and like enjoying pleasure in a healthy, Mm -hmm. consensual, empowering way. So it's just, it's so wild that people who are like trying to cancel that are canceling all these real aspects of themselves. Mm -hmm. So Uh, yeah
1: no that's that's a good point that's a good point it's like maybe people you know they're gonna feel some type of way inside themselves and you know maybe they're gonna uh project it in ways that are unhealthy or Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Yeah. that's what repression does
0: (laughs) repression I'm like I feel like repression is like the root of all evil like it's so much yeah I wrote down this quote from the uh the documentary trailer that I just oh, thought was word. so powerful you were like uh, or someone in the trailer said sex workers have oh wait not this part where is it yeah they were like um it's not immoral and should not be illegal by criminalizing sex work we make it so much more dangerous for the people involved in it
1: yep. so yeah. Mike said that Mike said that shout out to
0: Mike <laughs>
1: that's what happens when you edit documentary it's like you tell me the quote and I can
0: you'll never forget it <laughs> <laughs> lives in your head, rent-free. it Lives in my head, yeah. <laughs> so how can we begin destigmatizing and like shifting the narrative around sex work?
1: I think just still making it a movement, you know. I know so many people like you, you know, and and Erica Lust, you know, ethical point companies, there's a there's a ton of them now that are popping yeah. up. And I think it's about Um, people like us and groups like us coming together and creating content and using our words and using all these digital platforms that we have now to just continue that movement, because, you know, again, this is about, you know, changing people's minds. Mm-hmm. If they gonna, if they a little jammed up or stuck, you know, and um, just I would say just speaking out. And artists, this is why I'm I'm an artist, and this is why art is so important to me because I think that um, you know art does have the the capacity to really transform um, people's minds into different uh, you know different things you know, and and mm-hmm. it gives me purpose and empowerment to know, oh, whoa, I just, you know, I want to blow people's minds, <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. I want to, I want to put stuff on the screen that I don't think, you know, that a lot of people have seen before, or maybe are familiar with, and, you know, in mm-hmm. terms of the sex work industry and being trans, like those are two <laughs> topics where it's like, that's <laughs> it, you know what I mean? It's like, okay, basically anything I create is gonna be. <laughs> yeah,
0: so radical. Yeah. Hello loves, just jumping in to tell you about the 2S LGBTQIA plus community space that Eva Bloom and myself have created. The Fuck Compet Support Club is an epic space to connect with fellow queer and questioning humans, to build community and to process Compet, which is short for compulsory heterosexuality. This space is just $10 per month, and you'll get access to a guided monthly Zoom call and an ongoing Discord space for connection. There's always so much gorgeous community and chats happening in that space. So go to patreon.com support club, spelled as I said it, but minus the U in fuck, or to make things easy for yourself, just click the link in the show notes. Here you'll find more details and you'll be able to join there. We'd love to welcome you in, whether you've been out for years, are exploring new depths of your queerness, or are questioning your sexuality right now, this space is for you. You truly do belong, and we'd be so excited to welcome you into the club. Yeah, okay, like we live in a culture that's so uh, deep in objectification, Mm -hmm. and has really especially for like women, on binary trans people has especially been like almost teaching the collective to like practice apathy and to just like yeah dehumanize and so I think when we combine the erotic and the sexual with any sort of like emotional context, life narrative, story, like these humanizing aspects which is so much of what you're doing, instantly people's brains are like oh wait holy shit this is a a human being like yeah and it seems so obvious like we shouldn't have to have this big moment of like wow that's a human like Mm -hmm, it should just mm -hmm. be natural but (laughs) that is where we're at where it's like powerful
1: that's a good point for sure
0: (laughs) oh my gosh so um what are some like healing narratives of sex work that you've seen or captured on film and I know you were sharing a bit for you how like it's been such a terrain of empowering and exploring your own sexuality can you share mm-hmm. more about like those kind of healing aspects
1: yeah for sure I feel like before I transitioned um, I always had kind of a complicated relationship I don't think with sex um because you know I had a lot of sex you know as a lesbian too and I did enjoy it but in terms of my relationship with my body it was like you know because I knew I was trans when I was like four years old literally Mm. um and my parents they let me you know wear boy clothes and and have the boy haircut but then Mm. it was like when I started going through puberty um I started getting boobs and a period and shit you know they was like oh you gotta you know it was like one day a different wardrobe showed up and I, yeah. I like completely disassociated and there was this thing in my mind that was just like well you just have to suck it up mm-hmm. and and be a girl you know and um, so I but I was the, the the thing was is I was only able to do that for a certain amount of Time before I really found myself bottoming out in ways that I couldn't pinpoint exactly what it was coming from. Mm -hmm. It was like my subconscious knew and I was, something was blocked. Um, Like, no, you transitioning is not possible. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. That's not an option for you. But then in terms of sex, I started over the years, you know, really bottoming out, I would say bottoming out this, this word bottoming out on my relationship with my body.
0: You yeah. know,
1: I didn't want my chest touched. I couldn't even look at my chest. I hate when anytime I looked at myself in the mirror, it was like, so distorted. I said, oh, you got, you know, these childbearing ass hips. And, it, it, and I was like, what the fuck? Like, you know, I was so confused and it mm-hmm. led me to very, my relationship with my body wasn't right. I couldn't even look in the mirror. I'd be walking through Manhattan, you know, so sometimes I look at the the store window, you know, and I said, I couldn't even, I didn't, I don't think I looked at myself in the in the mirror for at least a year before I transitioned. Like it wow. was that, it would upset me that much. Yeah. And, um, you know, then when I transitioned, it was just like a snap. You know, I was like started thinking all these things with my sexuality that I had never thought before, things that I was excited to explore, Mm. you know, because going on hormones, a lot of stuff happens in your body, you know, in terms of physical changes, but also, you know, hormonal changes that basically I was horny as like a fucking teenage boy you know Mm -hmm. when I started and it was like this whole world opened up for me just like automatically Mm -hmm. it was um you know very fraying and I would say today that like I do have a very good relationship with my body Mm -hmm. um, and with sex and then you know and I would say that all first started with my transition but that was only the first step Um, And the second step was not being ashamed to, oh, I masturbate all the time, you know, and Mm -hmm. masturbation, you know, was something that really first helped me get in touch with my body my new body right it's like a different body after 26 years and uh you know still changing I'm five years in and I'm like still changing and I'm like Mm. what (laughs) like (laughs) I thought this was done like three years ago you know and then it's like nah uh, but yeah
0: yeah uh thank you so much for sharing that it's mm-hmm.
1: like
0: yeah so powerful to hear and i just know like the kind of like stories and representation that you're embodying it's like you're like i think of this a lot like i like try i strive to be like the role model that my younger self needed
1: mm. oh and, like, yeah yeah nice yeah. i feel nice. like
0: you're doing that like for so many people and like your younger self in so many ways
1: mm-hmm.
0: it's really powerful yo
1: that's that's a good i think i heard you say that and because I was listening to your, your story on your podcast too, like you're coming out. And like, I really related to that because when I transitioned, it was like this pink cloud moment where Mm -hmm. for, I would say like nine months, I was floating up in heaven because of that just jolt of empowerment and Mm -hmm. change in myself. Um, But then I, had reached a point where I was in this point in my physical transition where it was like you couldn't tell if I was a girl you couldn't tell if I was a boy not to say that we need to be put in fucking boxes because we don't but um and I really felt for people who you know are non-binary they them um in those times because I would be on the train and I would just see people like look at me weird and sometimes I'd hear them through my headphones like is that a boy or is that a girl like ha 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 I don't know you know shit like that and you know I had been riding my bike one day and I had an incident where this dude like ran a stop sign and my bike kind of hit his car and um he I, I like slammed my hand on the car a little bit just to hold myself And he, this motherfucker literally chased me down the bike lane, threw me off my bike by my backpack, choked me out. He said, Mm. don't you ever fucking come at me, pussy boy and blah, blah, blah. So then from that moment, that incident really just, I had never been assaulted like that
0: uh, as
1: a lesbian. And also Mm. I could pop the fuck off because I got a mouth on me literally. (laughs) And as this butch lesbian, the, the dudes couldn't hit me that's yeah. a different case when I was right, dead, right, right. When they started perceiving me as this like little nerdy male wow. with a big ass mouth oh no you're gonna get your fucking ass beat boy and uh but anyways that's beyond the point of the point I'm trying to get to but after that incident I started realizing all these things that I never realized before and it really sparked like all this trauma that came up. And a lot of that trauma was going back to that child who yeah. was a boy. And I started, I was doing a lot of um, energy work with this lady Joyce and mm. she would do energy work on me for you know past life regression and trauma because that's what it feels like to me. I feel like I've lived two different lives but I'm in the same body. Yeah. And it's just so trippy because during those sessions I would literally have vivid memories of my boyhood cuz I did have a boyhood. Mm. And then it got like chopped and then I had to be like this girl or something. And um you know, I would have these vivid memories and of of like this boy, me. Yeah at my aunt's house hunting easter eggs and shit laying on the grass opening a purple easter egg eating the candy like very vivid shit and i would bawl Aww. my fucking eyes out like wanting to hold this kid this mm. kid that was so happy and then got his dreams completely fucking like snow piled plowed you know what i'm saying
0: yeah and
1: that was just i had some anger to work through mm-hmm. oh you you know with my dad especially I don't you know oh you're gonna make me be a girl you know mm-hmm. they was trying to protect me they were doing the best they could in the 1990s but at the same time there was this anger
0: mm-hmm. stored
1: in me and I had to grieve my my in my adolescence that never happened. I had to grieve my teenage years that that never happened. <laughs> and then when I transitioned, it was like I turned back to like I was 15 or something. Yeah. And I I've said I heard the like, term second yeah, adolescence. It was crazy <laughs> and it was like I was 26 but like 15, 16. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you had to live that. You had to live that out. And I'm glad that you did. Yeah, that you like me got too. to have that time. Oh, I went, well, wow. I was
1: I was buck wild, but um I'm <laughs> I'm leveling out now. <laughs> I'm yeah. an adult now. <laughs> <like>. <laughs>
0: You're doing great. <laughs> yes. um, uh, it's so important, and I'm just, I'm just thinking of like people listening to this, and just the fact that like everyone has a role in this. Mm-hmm. Like everyone can see themselves in like some moving parts of. Of these stories, whether people are relating to what you're sharing Mm -hmm. um, as a trans person, or whether people are relating to like your parents and what they may be perpetuating or Mm -hmm. not perpetuating in the world. And it's just, it's so important. And I think when we get into that like really deep emotional, like awareness of how this felt for you, I think that's when the people who are more Mm -hmm. closed minded can start to like shift Mm -hmm. their hearts and minds and be like wow like everyone fucking deserves to feel safe and authentic and like true on the planet and I just like I'm just like wow what would the worlds be with be like if like the wisdom of our bodies was leading Mm -hmm. instead of just all these like societal constructs and shoulds that we know are just totally made the fuck up like (laughs) yeah yeah Uh. I like
1: that too, you know, because the thing is, we all have our different life experiences. And, you know, of course, some of us have had it harder than others, but we all experience similar human emotions. You know, we all know what it feels like to be lonely. We all know what it feels like to grieve. And um, this is why, you know, I try to talk about my feelings because i used to have a real big chip on my shoulder like oh if you've been through this shit you you know you you beat up you know locked in solitary confinement you had this you had this blah 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 you know you 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 would do this too or you would you know blah 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 and now i said oh no like the, all of that anger that i had to deal with that was just really grief and sadness underneath mm. trying to like mask itself and protect itself and um yeah so now it's like oh I talk about the emotions I try not to separate myself and my experiences um in that type of way because yeah. I don't I don't want to separate myself I need connection and that's what I did my whole life Mm. I isolated myself because I didn't think I was shit. I didn't think I had my self-esteem, right? My confidence, right? And, you know, I never felt, con- how was I supposed to feel connected to other people when I couldn't even connect with myself? Yeah. And, um, you know, so I try not to compare myself, my story to anybody else's anymore. Mm. And um, because, you know, there's so much love. There really is there's so much love in the world. And I used to, and one of the things that helped heal me was, you know, I used to always be angry with people. And, you know, then I said, as much as, you know, people hurt can hurt you. They also are can what be to heal you. Mm-hmm. And um, I've had so many close relationships, healing relationships um, that I, I ha- that have healed me. Yeah. Um, because they've been relationships that are non-judgmental um, fully accepting arms open I can say whatever the fuck I want to say <laughs> you know what I mean and I didn't have those relationships before uh, I had some of course but but not I wasn't necessarily surrounded by that type of openness and and unconditional love mm-hmm. uh, especially in my adolescence and um, teenage you know
0: yeah yeah uh, I'm just so, going on a
1: tangent now. no so.
0: no no I totally feel you and like <laughs> uh, it sounds like this shift from like a me against the world mentality into like okay I can acknowledge that a lot of systems and mm-hmm. societal whatever's need to change and let love in and create love in my life and so like I'm happy that you're that you're doing that yeah
1: Unconditional love is, like, way more punk than anger is. <laughs> it's I like, love, I you, love throw, it. you throw love at somebody, they, yes. you know what I mean? Like,
0: <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I feel that so much. I've been reading this book by Kazu Haga called, like, Healing Resistance. And it's all about, um, like, nonviolent, like, the practice of nonviolence and just, like, kind of exactly what, what you just said, like, the power of of meeting someone with that unconditional love and how that's been shown to like de-escalate violence and Mm -hmm. have such a powerful effect. And that's really why I believe in like restorative and transformative justice as well, more than the punitive. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think that would be such a good t-shirt. What you said, you're like, you're like, love is way more punk than.
1: (laughs) Yo, (laughs) do it, do it.
0: (laughs) Creds to you though. Um, I'll let you
1: keep keep the line. Make the t shirt
0: line. <laughs> we'll make the t shirt. Write
1: that down. Hold on. Write
0: it down. Man,
1: write that down. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I know that you've like already shared about these things a bit. I'd love to go even deeper into them. So, like, uh-huh. can you share about, um, I guess, your own thoughts on like porn in general and some of the distinctions between like mainstream porn versus ethical mm-hmm. porn.
1: Yeah, for sure. So when when I think of mainstream porn, I think of the free tube sites, you know, like Pornhub and you know whatever else is out there and um you know when I was first transitioning again, I wanted to watch trans men, you know, having sex and I couldn't find anything that really I could jive with because it was all fetish, um, which is, you know, usually cis guys like banging out a trans man. Mm -hmm. And, um, I said, you know, that's not the type of sex that I have. And, um, so then I, I knew I needed to create it. And so what I mean, you know, what they mean when they say, you know, ethical or responsible, um, pornography is that, I would say mostly is is the performer is the most important person. Hmm. Um, And I don't believe that's the case for mainstream porn because a lot of the um, performers that I've worked with and they've shared their experiences with me about working in the mainstream industry. I mean, there's some like racist shit going on. Like I I remember one, one of the actresses that I work with was saying that, you know, they was trying to put her in a kimono and shit and do all this like, you know, Asian fetishization, you know, mm-hmm. without her permission. She said, I don't feel comfortable with it. Um, I think there's a lot of, you know, coercion uh, in certain ways. And, you know, when it means to be responsible and ethical is just simply comes down to respect, I think, and um you know, like, there's almost, like, this idea that, like, oh, you're, you know, having sex on camera, and you're getting paid for it, you know, you don't deserve to be, you know, treated as well as, you know, ex or somebody else, and it's, like, no, they need to be the most perf- important people on the set that you attend to, um, especially in in our types of sets, which is, like, you know, we want to make sure that everybody is comfortable, mm-hmm. um, you know, that we don't have any like creepos during the, <laughs> I don't hire creepos anyway, but like, yeah. I-, I try to have all LGBT
0: <laughs> nice. crew,
1: you know, so that it's like very, the sets are very like comfortable and open and yeah. you can feel that, you know, you're, you're taken care of and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we focus on the performance, not just the sex. So Mm -hmm. the connection between the two performers um, and that's, you know, close-ups of like their faces instead Mm -hmm. of like, you know, of course you want close-ups on the genitals, but it's not all about that. It's not all about penetration. It's not all about, you know, we can show all different types of couples, all different types of sex Mm -hmm. and, um, and I think, you know, the way it's shot too, you know, we're shooting a real film, you know, we have a real crew. We storyboard this shit. We wanted the cinematography to be beautiful and, you know, really be able to portray a story, whether it's a narrative or not, whether if mm-hmm. it's just, you know, a narrative or you know more of an art piece or you know something but um yeah I would say that you know performers first and it's a team it's a team it's not all about you know the money or the Mm -hmm. sex it's a it's a team and I think that when you when you have a team that you know they have they are down for the purpose you know what I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. really just enjoys being on set. Doesn't feel like a job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's been amazing. It's been freeing for me to be able to get paid to make my own fucking art. Like that that's the dream as an artist, mm-hmm. you know? And um, so I'm very grateful that, that, you know, all these years working in the industry, you know, having to shoot shitty ass fucking commercial I always say I always give this example like you know 16 hours on set for for a diet commercial you know watching these advertising people fucking move an ice cube oh that fizz of the coke that wasn't good enough oh my god you know what I'm saying it is so (laughs) such a blessing to be able to not only you know be able to live my support myself as an artist doing my own art um but also having a platform to showcase that to many people i'm very blessed you know what i'm saying
0: yeah i definitely i definitely can relate and i'm just like as you should be paid for your own
1: art. (laughs) people don't want to be paying artists people don't like (laughs) paying artists i said as you should
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I can totally relate to like just living something that's so genuinely soul filling. And you're just like, this is my purpose. Like this is rooted in my own lived Mm -hmm. experience in some ways. And it's just like, you know, you're making impact and it means so much. Mm -hmm. And like, just hearing you describe the distinction between the mainstream and like what you're doing is, it's two different worlds. It's like totally two different worlds. And I think the performer first thing is so powerful one, because obviously we should be, (laughs) you know, doing that. And then also like porn has this kind of interesting psychological experience where we're like, we're kind of putting ourselves in the bodies of what we're watching. We're like imagining that that's us. Yeah. Right. And if that person is being like degraded and ignored and objectified, like, we kind of, we take that in as well Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. what you're creating, which is like when the person's right to consent is being affirmed and they're being shown Mm -hmm. as a whole human being and their pleasure is being celebrated and their desires and boundaries are being honored, like all these things. And we also take in this message of, oh, okay, like that, this is sex. This is Mm -hmm. what I should experience as well. So it's like, it's really shifting the narrative. And again, just like we were saying, like there's such a lack of sex education. So porn is really where people are going to get their education. (laughs) So like, let it be this and not, not the other crap.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Yeah. So important. Hello loves. We're going to take a quick break from our conversation to tell you about my signature group coaching program, the Sensual Wholeness Academy. This is an eight-month program for women and non-binary folk who are ready to let go of shame and claim self-love, sensual empowerment, and somatic healing within an epic community rooted in radical acceptance. The course includes eight modules which dive into content like Strengthening Boundaries, claiming your true yes and no, transforming shame around sexuality, building a mindful self-pleasure practice, releasing body and genital shame, transforming trauma, inclusive sex education, empowered intimacy, the wheel of consent, and so much more. When you sign up for the Sensual Wholeness Academy, you get access to live weekly group coaching calls featuring embodiment practices, you get the eight video training modules, You get access to our VIP virtual community space where you receive ongoing support throughout the whole program. You get guided journal prompts, community to last a lifetime, and bonus workshops with amazing guests. If you're someone who's ready to let go of shame or numbness and claim the sensual empowerment and self-love you deserve, then your next step is to go to marleylists.com slash SWA. You'll also see the link for that in the show notes. So here you'll see plenty more details about the program and you'll be able to set up a free consultation call with myself where you'll receive personalized support and explore if this is a fit for you. So I'm so looking forward to connecting with you on this call. You're so worthy and capable of this reclamation. Again, I know that you talked about this already a little bit, but if you want to share more about like the importance specifically of trans bodies and porn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For
1: sure. And oh, okay, I remember. I I got distracted with him. He loves Zoom. But yeah, um, little kitty I wanted to first. add on to the last <laughs> question too, um another thing that we do and I don't know if mainstream does this because I never worked in mainstream um but we you know I've been working with intimacy coordinator um as well for these shoots and there's discussions I mean we go out to coffee before what are your no's what are your yeses and we we plan what we what the sexual acts we want to do on set I mean you know before we do it yeah. So everybody's comp walks on set. They already on the same page because me as a director, it's like when I'm on there, I I'm I'm running a million different pieces. I got people coming up to me, asking me questions. I focus on, you know, what it looks like from a visual perspective. I'm focused on, you know, the actors and their performance. So there's a lot of moving pieces, which is why I've I've really been liked to um work with an intimacy coordinator as well. So that Mm -hmm. say something happens on set too. I got another person that's with me that, you know, we can all have a discussion together, you know, because there can be, of course, there are going to be problems that arise on any film set. I don't know. I've had, I've had like one film go absolutely perfect. You know, it just comes with the territory, but um, you need to be flexible. And um, the last shoot, the last um, porn that I did was in Puerto Rico, and we were filming on the beach, and there was going to be um, like anal penetration, but then with the sand, you know, the performer was like, "No, no, 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 we ain't gonna fucking do that," you know, because I mean? there's yeah. sand everywhere. So, <laughs> you know, which is like, that's absolutely. 100% reasonable I wouldn't want that shit either and yeah. uh, you know so we just regrouped and we say oh okay you know is there anything you know wh- wh- where do we want to go from here and and what what is a you know solution or we just continue with what we was going to do anyways and you know so that's been really important for me and um, in terms of the other question that you asked I think that uh, what can you say it again
0: yeah. Yeah. So I know that you shared that you're passionate about like the importance of trans bodies, specifically in porn. So just mm-hmm. like any um, anything else that you want to share around
1: that word. Yeah. Um, I think it's really important, um, especially for I can only talk with my experience as a trans person. But I think it's important to see yourself represented. In, and mm-hmm. that doesn't happen a lot. You know, especially you can even you can even say it with, with mainstream Hollywood Netflix stuff. There's still cis people playing trans characters. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yeah. what does what does that tell a trans person mm. that that you're not good enough for the role? That you gonna scare people away or some shit? You know what I'm saying? So um, being able to see yourself represented in media. Instead of shunned or hidden, that is very empowering, um, yeah. you know. And I see more and more trans people transitioning younger, you know, because we're not there yet. I mean, we're not going to be there for a minute, you know what I'm saying? But the, we we still progressing, I believe, step by step by step. Um, you know, through art, through you know organizations like Sex Worker Project, where it's like they're focus focused—is is this day in, day out, legal services, destigmatization, decriminalization, lawyers on deck, everything—and um, yeah, it's it's. I I believe that you know you got a cis character playing a trans character you know it's it's this thing like that I would see that's like a shameful thing like oh okay so you're saying that I wouldn't be able to do that um because I'm trans <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. and uh so seeing yourself especially seeing yourself naked mm-hmm. seeing another trans person naked and and something so intimate as sex is, that's empowering
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know if mm-hmm. if you're seeing that like a real love story that you can relate to
0: yeah yeah there's such a deep validation
1: mm-hmm. in that
0: in that rap right where you're just like oh yeah i can't i'm good that.
1: enough and I'm i do matter
0: <laughs> yeah Yeah, versus that like really twisted thing you're saying, I'm like, oh, someone who doesn't have this experience at all could live this Mm -hmm. better than I can. It's like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, exactly. It's so wild. Wow, okay, I love this conversation so much. Can you share um, how people can connect with you and like support your work and enjoy your work as well?
1: yeah, for sure. Um, So I got some, uh, uh, my website is www.maxscaff.com. And mm-hmm. on there, you can see like, uh, like kind of some portfolio stuff, um, a lot of films, uh, information with that. And my Instagram is at Uncle Maxie Boy. Um, my Twitter at Uncle Max Scaff. I'll post on there, you know, my work and everything. And um in terms of my films, um my ex Confessions films, um, you know, you if you got the prescription, you could go to xconfessions.com mm-hmm. um, and watch, you know, all, all four of those. And you know, also you could see my other one on Pink Label TV and um in terms of the documentary we are currently uh doing the uh festivals runs so Mm -hmm. you know we played at new fest and then me and z we was in uh berlin in october for that festival you know as you know it was in (laughs) Yeah. yeah it was in the museum of sex yeah hopefully we'll be announcing some more festivals soon and we in production you know about to hit production later in March so you know we got we got stuff in the works for sure
0: yay so exciting I'm gonna like put all of those links in the show notes so that people can find it really easily um this has been such an amazing conversation thank you for existing and for doing all the work you do and sharing thank you good flow Thank you so much for listening loves i hope that you received as much education inspiration sensual badassery and empowerment from this episode as i did max is so amazing make sure to follow their work on instagram check out their documentary via the link in the show notes definitely check out eva bloom and mys fuck Calm Pet support club um it's an amazing 2s lgbtqia plus community space and you are so so welcome there Whether you're someone who's questioning your sexuality, if you've been out for years, or if you met a deeper layer of your own queerness throughout the pandemic, we've got you. This is the space for you. So many resources available to make sure that we feel safe, loved, empowered in our bodies, and that we feel a sense of belonging in this world. Sending you all so much love. Please do share and review this episode if it resonated with you. And I can't wait for you to hear from next week's guest.